Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. All of God's children said, Amen. So we're continuing in my sermon series on a heart that grew three sizes. Of course, we're talking about the Grinch. And, and this week I'm, I'm sharing that maybe we don't know everything. Maybe our blind spots get in the way of truly understanding who John the Baptist is pointing at when he's out doing his ministry. And as much as we think we see things clearly, we don't always see them the way we should. Sometimes we assume that we're right about things. We, we know we're right. We bet on it. We tell people, you can count on it. But then something happens, and we realize that we thought we saw or what we thought we saw and knew was not right at all. Sometimes our blind spots cause us to misread what's happening around us. I'm a fan of the NCIS TV series and all of the spinoffs, and this week on the Hawaii version of that show, they were talking about Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. And unfortunately, they found a body that was identified as somebody who died probably during the battle 80 years ago. But there was someone who was a Pearl Harbor survivor still living that had the exact same name. And the family, because they were family, and this gentleman was a decorated war hero, they, they said, absolutely not. This is who he is. We've known him this all his life. They clearly had a blind spot when it came to the investigation, but as the evidence continued to come out, they soon realized where their, their blind spots were and found out what really happened 80 years ago between the man that died and this man that's now the, the war hero. So we continue to talk about the Grinch and we come to this third part of the series and we're right smack dab in the middle of the story. We've got the Grinch up to no good. He enters into one of the Who homes and steals everything and anything that has any semblance of Christmas. That seems pretty easy, right? Stockings, presents, food, all shoved into a sack and sent up the chimney. There's no hesitation in what he's doing. He doesn't show any remorse either for what he's doing. He doesn't stop and second-guess himself and say, well, you know, maybe I do need to leave them a little bit of food. No, like a champion, bagger at the grocery store, he bags everything together and only momentarily putting stuff up the tree, only momentarily leaving the tree behind. And he does it all in the dark of night. Now, darkness is an interesting thing, isn't it? The absence of light can help us hide things we don't want other people to see. It can also obscure things in our lives from view that we'd rather not call attention to. But darkness isn't altogether bad. In the dark, all of our senses are, are heightened, especially when our eyes are not dominant. I know for many of us, one of our favorite times on, on Christmas Eve is when we take the light of the Christ candle and we pass it to the ushers who then pass it along to the people at the end of the pews and, and then they pass it along to everyone and slowly the, the light candle begins to grow as it goes from front to back. And pretty soon everyone has their candle lit and the, the church lights go down. And then all we see is the light of the candles. I mean, every year I do this, I, I, I notice there isn't a lot of sound. There might be a little giggling or a little nervousness, but 
typically it's pretty quiet. And by the time all the lights, all the candles are lit and the lights come down, it's still in here until we sing Silent Night. I have to wonder about the night Jesus was born, whether it was at night or during the day, but I'm thinking about because we know that story. And especially as that story relates to the shepherds. There they are in the middle of their fields in the dark. And Luke tells us the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Can you imagine that sight? I mean, brightness as far as the eye can see. There was no darkness anymore. You know, maybe that's what John means when he wrote, the light shines in the darkness, and that darkness cannot extinguish the light. It's not that darkness is necessary for us to see light, but darkness certainly makes light more noticeable. So as we're talking about light, the Grinch is beginning to take the Who family Christmas tree and put it up the chimney, and it's at that moment that he notices young Cindy Lou Who standing there and watching him. She catches him in the act of stealing their tree. Santa Claus, why are you taking our tree? Without even blinking, the Grinch lies with so much ease, it's scary. He says, the lights on one side of the tree aren't working. I'm going to take it back to my shop, fix it all up, and I'll bring it right back. Now, I don't think it's an accident that the Grinch calls attention to the lights not working. And then he lies so quickly to this child. And when a, a lie is that effortless, there's, there's truth way deep underneath that lie. The Christmas tree lights are broken, just like the Grinch, who has a heart two sizes too small. Sure, that without the lights, the tree can still hold ornaments and be a placeholder for gifts, but without the lights... There's something missing. The Grinch still has a heart, but it's just not big enough to be of much good. There's something missing in him. Notice the Grinch doesn't try to run away very quickly because he was caught, or he doesn't yell at Cindy Lou to get out of here, but he chooses to conceal the truth. And the only reason one does that is because you know the truth is powerful. We hear from Scripture that the truth will set you free, but that doesn't mean the truth is easy to hear. Deep down, I think the Grinch knows what he's doing is absolutely wrong. You may remember a time when you were a kid and your parents came and told you to clean up their room. Maybe you've even said that to the, your own kids. And then you went to check on their progress, and there they were in the middle of their room, the room even messier than it was before, and your question is, why haven't you cleaned up your room yet? So there in the room that's messier than it ever was when you first told them, they stand there with their angelic face and they say to you, well, I was looking for something beautiful. And then you say to them, well, you know what? Here's a good idea. Maybe you can still look for something beautiful as you're putting things back to where they belong. There's a legend that comes out of Germany it's called the bell snickle. The bell snickle was a mysterious creature who would check in on children a couple of weeks before Christmas to see if they were behaving and then give a report to Santa. The creature would tap on their windows and then throw candy on the floor. But if that child jumped too soon to retrieve the candy, the creature would wrap 
the child with the walking stick. And that's kind of a nasty story to tell kids at Christmas, but that's one that's been told. But the message is clear. You can't fool Santa Claus. You may have think that you've been good for the last four or five weeks to get your presents, but you have to be good the best you can all year round, according to the story. Or Santa will send the bell snickle and take all your toys away. Sometimes I think we see sin like that. We figure God's going to wrap our knuckles when we move further away from him or when we do something we shouldn't be and holds it against us for the rest of our lives. But the fact is, just like the hymn, love came down at Christmas, that we might know that God is loving and forgiving, that God wants an intimate relationship with us through Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we get to live however we want, but it does mean living according to the light and seeking the truth through Jesus Christ. The interaction between the Grinch and Cindy Lou is kind of like the reverse bell snickle tale, if you will. Here's the Grinch stealing away with children's toys, but his theft isn't because she's misbehaved. It's for his own enjoyment. Cindy Lou is like the, the bell snickle figure. She's trying to get the Grinch to do the right thing. But instead of wrapping the Grinch with a walking stick, all she does is ask a question. Why are you taking our tree? Cindy Lou is like the tiny spark of light in the darkness in this part of the story. You can remember when children in your life asked questions just like this. Why are you taking our Christmas tree? But then we as grown-ups, we neglect and we've forgotten those questions and the answers. One child asks, if God is big enough to create the mountains, how can God live in my heart too? As we age, sometimes it's as if our vision becomes more and more narrowed. We grow in a particular worldview. We live by our assumptions according to the way we think things ought to be. In a way, we develop our own blind spots as if our peripheral vision has disappeared. Being human means that we have limited vision. We can't see everything. And yet God putting on flesh in the form of Jesus also means that God comes into the world in our own vulnerability as a human and our own short-sightedness. God's greatest weakness is God's love for you and I. It's a love that's so powerful that God chose to be born in a finite body of a baby. But that's good news. The angel was right in saying, I bring you good news, wonderful, joyous news, good news that our humanity is being redeemed. It's not that Jesus came to make us something that we're not, but Jesus lives so that we can live abundantly into the beauty of who we are as children of God. Jesus is what it means to be alive, and through God's grace, we're offered the opportunity to grow to grow our lives, to grow our hearts three sizes into who God is calling us to be, warts and all. Love came down at Christmas. The fact of the matter is, as human beings, we do have blind spots, and it's, it's not a sin to have them, but the, the message of Christmas is that God put on flesh and entered humanity, blind spots and all. I mean, I think that's why Cindy Lou's question is so important. Why are you taking our Christmas tree? If the Grinch had taken a moment just to consider 
the question, he may have realized his own blind spot. He may have understood that he wasn't seeing everything as he needed to. I mean, he continued to keep the blinders on. His vision was too narrow. His heart was too small. And of course, the lights on the tree were indeed out, as was the light within the Grinch. So the Grinch takes Cindy Lou back to bed with a glass of water and then begins to empty out the rest of their home and then continues to go through the rest of the homes in Whoville, stealing away any hint of Christmas, going house to house. He despises the Who's celebration. The Grinch seems to have a compulsion of not leaving anything behind, and the fact is this is all part of his plan, or what he thinks is a perfect plan. He hates Christmas so much that because of what he's doing, he knows in my plan, everyone will hate Christmas too. But we know how the story ends. We know it was not a perfect plan. With the blinders on thinking he knew everything there was to know about Christmas. He didn't account for what didn't happen. He assumed it would. He figured he'd be hearing wailing and gnashing of teeth because everything is gone. But what he heard was joy and singing. During this season, we often put a lot of pressure on ourselves to make sure that everything is perfect. The tree is upright. It's not tilted left or right, forward or back. The ornaments are in their right spot. The decorations are where they're supposed to be. The dinner set, the presents are wrapped correctly, not how I wrap them. We try, right? We try. One of my favorite movies is Christmas Vacation. Clark W. Griswold was planning the perfect family Christmas, right? And we know how that turned out. In fact, he talks with his dad at one point when Clark's very low. And he says, you know, all I was trying to do, Dad, was, was have the perfect family Christmas, just like when I was a kid. And his dad laughs and admits that all of the Christmases when Clark was a kid were nowhere near perfect. And there was a lot that went wrong. His father's trying to teach him a little bit of humility. Because Clark needs some of that to be reminded that it doesn't have to be perfect. And that's what we need, too. We need to know that our celebrations don't need to be perfect. And that may be a bitter pill for some of us to swallow that things aren't perfect. But let me share a secret with you. Even if everything on Christmas Day or whenever you celebrate it all goes sideways, guess what? Jesus comes anyway. This third week of Advent offers us the grace and space to consider the truth and the light that came in that child. It offers a space to be humble and not expect everything to be perfect. In many traditions, this third Sunday has a focus on Mary. And Mary clearly is thrown into the unknown. And it's not the unknown because she wasn't aware of what she was being asked. But rather, as often as is the case in our lives, it's unknown because Mary was given few guarantees and so are we. There's only one guarantee Mary's given that we get as well. God will be with you. You all know the song, Mary, Did You Know, right? 
Of course, Mary knew a whole bunch of stuff. And she's invited by the angel Gabriel to consider what's going on and what might happen. But she doesn't know everything. Her moving into the unknown, knowing little about it, is a, is a testament to her faith and her response to God's call in her life. This journey ends up taking, through scripture, three parts. The Annunciation, which is just the announcement to Mary through the angel. Then there's the Affirmation. She goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth confirms what she understands is going to happen. And then we read it together, the Song of Mary, the proclamation, proclaiming her trust in God. And so often we say, Mary's song, Mary the Magnificat, there's some marvelous words, and I encourage you to take some time to, to go back and look at that today in Luke. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich empty away. So did Mary know? Yes and no. Mary didn't know what was in store for her. Mary was moving into the unknown, not because she didn't know who Jesus was or would be, but rather she was given very little guarantee. And she said yes and did it anyway because of her faith. You know, our Christmases might not be perfect. They might feel dark. They might feel hopeless. But when we know love, especially the love through Jesus Christ, we know that love doesn't mean that everything will work out the way we want. We know that love doesn't mean that there won't be suffering or hardship or guarantees of a good life. But love never tires of reminding us that we matter to God, that we are precious to God, and that we are all God's children. The love of God disarms us. It makes us feel vulnerable, but it helps us believe things. It helps us bear all things. And when all else fails, love never ends. And Mary asked the question, how can this be? Because nothing is impossible with God. When you have, like Mary, heard God's call, when have you heard it on your life? What did you find as you began to put one foot in front of the other in that calling? Did you start out on a journey and think you knew everything that was coming down the path? And what happened when it didn't work out the way you wanted? Has God ever disarmed you with his love and surprised you? You know, we don't need any perfection in any of our Christmas celebrations. We need to be like John the Baptist. We need to remind each other who Advent and Christmas is all about and continue to point to Christ. We need to light the candle to let the light shine in the darkness so others may find who Christ is in their darkness. Love did come down at Christmas, and the good news is no matter what happens, whether you burn Christmas dinner, whether your tree falls apart and falls over, whether there's needles, if you have a real tree, all over the floor, whether you break your favorite ornament, whether none of the strands of lights on your tree are working on Christmas Day, it doesn't matter. Jesus comes anyway. All we need to do is have a heart that's ready to accept him and grow three sizes. Amen.